So we uh, we were one uh, of <clears throat> great start you're so good yeah okay let's let's take two as we want to do you know this this one is all about top fours we love ranking things and what better way to do that than having a top four palooza where both of us come up with four top fours and surprise the other person with it i'm so nervous about this (laughs) i wonder if one of if if we're gonna snipe each other with top fours that yeah i think we might honestly but do you have any we'll backup top fours <laughs> yeah i have some backups just in case oh nice <laughs> I, d- I do too i just haven't prepared them like there was one that i really wanted to do and that would have been, that's a really mean one hence oh, no. my earlier question via message how many mean top fours you have but i thought like no i'm not gonna do it this time because i want to think about this this needs more prep time but if you snap me on something, I will, I will have to do it, and you will go, and go. You will be suffering. So I mean, that. I'd probably rather just do my backup and have you have that one. But I guess <laughs> I, if if I snipe you, it's all my fault, clearly. <laughs> but you will have the glory of sniping someone. Not that you'd know that feeling, but. Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! Now you're definitely gonna get the mean ones out. I don't have mean ones. I'm just inherently nice. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll I will reserve judgment on that on, <laughs> until the end of the episode. So you do you want to start with the first one? Sure. Um and you can veto this, and I'll, I'll edit it out if, if you don't like this one. Mm-hmm. But my first top four for you is your top four German cities. Oh, nice. Um, okay, let me think about it one, one second. All right. So are you ready for your, your number four top I four am. German city? Before that, I don't have an honorable mention, but there's one city that... I've been wanting to visit for years, but never got around to. And from what I hear, it's it's a gorgeous city. It's actually in a in a list that the uh, the travel guide Lonely Planet did. It's number three of the most livable or like the mo- nicest cities to live in in the world, which is Freiburg. Mm. Uh, I've heard so many nice things about Freiburg. Yeah. I've never been. Yeah, I haven't been there yet either. But so just wanted to mention it. <clears throat> But there is another town of a similar-ish size that's not too far away that I really like, uh, but only only in the summer, and that's Constance. Oh, cool! That's nice. Is it? It's right on the lake, I assume. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. gorgeous. It has like it has this beautiful lake. It has mountains. It's like right on the border to to Switzerland. It's very spread out, but you can just do like all. You can have like amazing. Uh, you know, bike tours there and it's it's just a really beautiful city just don't go there in winter because it's super depressing really how is it so depressing mm. if it's like mountainous and gorgeous Can't you because it's super dark there and super foggy wow but i mean yeah. like when you say depressing and fog and cold and dark that just describes all of germany in winter true i mean i mean there are slight differences but uh, in the type of darkness yeah how depressing it can be but uh i'll take yeah. it what's your number yeah, four yeah. my number four is a city that no one in germany actually likes but i think i'm the only person in germ in 
not in Germany. We're the only person who likes it. And my number four is Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really cool, like unique city, especially within Germany, considering the 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 landscape, the different neighborhoods. I think it has a lot more to offer than a lot of people think. Honestly, um, I just like I really like Frankfurt, and I think that it's an interesting crossroads of Western Germany in in and of itself. And I just I don't know, coming in and out of the city so much, I find myself uh, like really attracted to it in an odd way. So. Uh, it's not the most natural beauty or even architecturally beautiful in a way, but it's on the nice. I love the river uh, in the summer and then the different neighborhoods just kind of give different areas really nice vibes. So and I also like I'm particularly partial. I like high high rises. So that's another <laughs> reason why like Frankfurt, I guess, aesthetically is appealing, uh, mm. appealing to me. Yeah, that makes sense. And like it's under, I like underrated it for its food. It's not like the worst. I mean, within the German food scales, I think for me, Southern German is like the best food, or Southwestern German has the best food. Oh, Southwestern Germany has the best food. Sorry, Chris. But um, even in like the, I guess the, in Hessisch for the Hessen food is like also quite good. Uh, uh, underrated, I would say. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Like it's it is probably one of the most it ha is one of the cities that has most to offer in terms of culinary delights. So there's that. Uh, my number three is Bremen, oh, cute. which which is you know also like a really nice town. Uh, and it's on in the north northwest, and it's not super big. It's not super. Uh, posh or anything but uh it has it definitely has its charm it's like one of these uh one of these towns where like you you will just get like the the very subdued german honesty thing that can be off-putting sometimes but it's like people in bremen are not pretentious as they are in other cities that i will mention later so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I i really like that and um yeah, it's like Hamburg's poor cousin. That's so funny. That's a good way to put it. Um, and with that, my number three is Cologne. Uh, mm -hmm. Cologne is just such a cool vibe for a city. I think it's on my list the least. Uh, well, it's it's maybe not the prettiest city in the world, but <laughs> I I think like the vibe and just like the people are really interesting and nice. Um, and Again, like what's interesting about German cities, I guess, as a compared to most other European countries, they're so such less centralized, um, and you have different flavors within each city, and it's just a how do I say? Cologne has a unique vibe to it that is, I guess, you is not unique to that region of Germany. Uh, it's not that dissimilar to the other cities in that area, but when compared to maybe other regions in Germany, I think it's emblematic of a part of Germany that kind of is in some ways the leader of Germany or leading, pushing Germany forward in some ways. But that's, mm. just, my, that's just my impression of, I guess Cologne is my, but it's also the Cologne-Bonn metropolitan area as well is part of the whole, the city that i think of when i think of cologne so yeah for it, sure. i think it's a cool area 
Yeah, it's it's funny. I was I considered Cologne t- uh, to be on the list, but it's exactly that like that kind of uh, mindset that like the city itself would have probably made it into the top four, but I can't handle that like mindset thing. It's like it's like overwhelmingly friendly and jocular for Germany, and I can't handle that. But it's so nice. <laughs> yeah, but it's like almost like aggressively so for me. So it's like I I I, I don't know how to do that with that. So I, I got, you don't know I don't, what to do with nice people. Yeah, it's tough. just like how the hell? Like what? I don't does not compute. <laughs> well, it bucks a lot of the stereotypes of Germany in general. Oh yeah, which sure. is really interesting. <laughs> yep. That's why it's not on my top four, <laughs> because <laughs> I embrace German stereotypes. No, it's not true. But anyway, uh, my number two is Berlin. Same. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Berlin. Like, not not in the like at least not in the sense of like all these people who like, oh yeah, like Berlin is the place to be, and of course I'm going to go to Berlin. Like, blah blah blah. And it's just like, fuck no, I'm not not a Berlin hipster. Uh, but I mean, I just moved here. <laughs> it's really great. It's, I mean, it is, it is really nice. Um, it has a lot to offer. Obviously, it's very diverse in like all kinds of things. Obviously, it's like the biggest city in Germany. Uh, it's the, it's the capital. So just like, just that offers a lot of things already. Uh, in terms of like culture and food and everything, is really great. Um, but yeah, and that, that probably the worst winter. The worst one of, one of the worst places to be in winter, but uh, yeah, I mean it does have a lot to offer. But I just I just think the the people can be uh, very show offy and like it's like very can be very can, I don't know taxing sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. Berlin is a cool city. There's good food. The people are nice. It's like, or can be nice. Can be nice. (laughs) It's just so diverse that you have a wide array of experiences in Berlin, unlike anywhere else in Germany or mostly anywhere else in Germany, I would say. And it's very international too, which I really appreciate. Yeah, same. Um, And I think it's a really cool vibe. But again, as you mentioned, just like this idea of Berlin being Berlin is 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 a demerit, I think, on both of our accounts um, yes. in terms of the city, and also like its natural beauty is, I think, another demerit. It's like not really much going on in the area, but that's just me. Maybe it's just like when you compare it to cities in southern Germany, where you have the mountains or whatever, or even mm. northern Germany, you have the coasts and the islands, and it, it is in a you know relatively boring place i guess but what's also really interesting about berlin to me is the socioeconomic development considering the legacy of the cold war and Mm -hmm. no more places that palpable than in germany obviously or for obvious reasons and just the divides within the city and as it's sort of as wealth and as a new generation of german Germanness, I guess, is creeping into the former Eastern German bloc or former Eastern German areas of the city. It is a really interesting developing city. So when you consider just its interestingness factor, so if you if you rank cities upon people, food, culture, nature, interestingness, or history, or whatever, uh, Berlin definitely ranks really high on that factor as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. And my number one is Hamburg. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I was sure it was going to be um, 
yeah, as uh, it's it's just a beautiful city. It has like obviously it's close to the sea. It has great uh, w- bodies of water within it to obviously the river, the river Elbe, um, and the Alster, and it's it has this really interesting vibe. It is like a little bit pretentious, a little bit like I don't know, conservative in a conservative way. Of like you know p- people have a lot of money but of course that mean like depends on where you are but if you're like in certain parts of the town it's really like in your face um but overall i just love the vibe it's also super like diverse uh you can get a lot of things it's very northern german obviously it's it's a great center for the for the uh area and i don't know i just like the vibe there uh re- uh really really enjoy being there every time i'm there and almost moved there <laughs> so uh yeah i don't know the, it's it's also like food wise has so a lot to offer um it's just you know more pretentious than bremen <laughs> that's or it can, or it can be it's which is very interesting because that's one side another side is really like leftist un- anarchist sort of thing so and like ov- obviously a lot of things in between and beyond that as well um and i i don't know I, it's just a great city it's definitely by far my favorite city in germany yeah same i don't think it's even close the gap between one and two is huge for me mm-hmm. i really like hamburg and the thing the funny thing is that i would love to with you do a top four european cities but you just haven't been to enough european cities i think to judge properly so like I mean, you were also saying you haven't been to many German cities, but um, like Hamburg for me is it's it's gone beyond just the top city in Germany. It's one of the best cities for me in Europe as a whole. So it's really interesting to consider. Mm. Uh, it's just a gorgeous city. And I like how on one side it embraces its pretentiousness, but then on the other side it embraces its anarchy level. It just does everything in like whatever it does, it just does fully mm-hmm. to the max. So... <laughs> And it's just obviously really beautiful just because you're close, so close to the sea, the seafood and the fresh, uh, the freshness of the seafood that you can get. The food varieties there are so good. It's like, it's just a, it's a great city. I really like Hamburg. Um, and it, it is gray, even grayer than some of the places that in, in other parts of Germany, but it is, that's fine. It's so good. I just love it. It's a great, it's a great city. Yeah. And- if I were to live in Germany, uh, that would definitely be the place I would go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and in my defense, I if twenty twenty had gone as I had planned it, uh, I would we could do a top four European cities right now. But yeah. alas, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, so my first top four is something that only you can answer. Oh no! Um, oh no! <laughs> Uh, which is top four foods that you always look forward to eat when you're in the U.S. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay, so I think I'm ready. And this mm-hmm. is a really tough one because there are so many good, good foods. And I really... It's interesting. So my, my number four, and it might be the thing I like the most on this list, but it is number four because it is specifically regional and or you can also get it abroad and that is the pizza so good 
pizza is amazing in america like it's obviously a different style it's a whole different thing but when you're in new york when you're in chicago when you're in other places there's just like a different culture around pizza that is just entirely special i would say in the u.s and there is it's it's only number four not because of how good it is but because of it's not a place that would just so say i'm going to visit my family in dc the pizza is not that amazing um, but if I'm going to other parts of the U.S. when I am home, I tend to get pizza and I'm just like blown away and it's just my favorite thing. So pizza it is. Um, number three is just Southern food. And when people ask, <laughs> it's just it's 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 a wide variety of things, but just like it's a it's a variation between like biscuits and gravy or chicken and uh, chicken and waffle or wa- chicken and waffles or Cajun food or just like stews and black eyed peas or just like a wide variety of foods that are just hit close to home. Things like uh, baked mac and cheese, like all, all these things are just, it, it, this is like this or cornbread. Oh, freaking cornbread. Oh my God. It's this like Southern food that you can basically only get in the U S and there are, I guess like, yeah, it's just so good, and it's sad that it doesn't really export at all outside of America. Um, and I'm sure I'm gonna also caveat as I continue forward that I'm gonna be forgetting things, and I I tend <laughs> to do this at top fours where <laughs> ten minutes later I'm just like, oh my god, that one thing, how could I forget it? What da 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 da. Due to our answer. top ten movies of the 2010s. Oh yeah. my god, I still uh, feel terrible. Yeah, and just on a meta level. It's it's this is on me because I wasn't specific enough, but you're not being specific enough to my taste. But I didn't say dishes; I said food, so that's on me. Got it. You meant like I yeah. So when I say southern food, it's a cuisine, yeah, as opposed to like a, a like, is pizza. Is pizza an acceptable answer? No, because there is a difference between Chicago deep dish and like New uh, York style. You know. Uh, okay, that is your fault. <laughs> Yeah, it is, um, and okay. uh, I, I can, I can, I, there, no one is to blame but me. So please proceed. Okay, cool. So my number two is going to surprise so many people who think it's going to be my number one, but my number two is cereal. Oh, okay. okay. Let, let, let's talk about cereal. Number one, I love cereal. It is my biggest guilty pleasure of all time. Like I, everyone has, like, oh, they like chocolate or like they like cake or whatever. For me, it is cereal. All kinds of cereal, from healthy cereals to unhealthy cereals. Something about crunchiness and milk is just <laughs> deliciousness for me. Um, I remember there was this one cereal in Japan that I would literally just like buy a kilo bag and I would just eat the whole things in one sitting. And this is <laughs> me. <laughs> wow. Just, I eat generally really healthily and i try to be like a decent human being not really healthily i eat healthily generally and like i try to be a decent human being with my intake of food but cereal just all rules go out the window and it's kind of good that i am and i'm not living in the u.s because if i were maybe i would just be eating way too much cereal and i'd be 20 pounds heavier but just like the cereal game in the u.s is just on a whole different level it's just not even close honestly like anyone who's been to america if you just go to a cereal aisle it is like it's just not even funny you're not playing the same game it's like the u.s is playing i don't know the, the like professional league and then the the rest of the world is just this amateur bunch of hobos on the pitch so it's the diff the difference of it is incredible and it's something that 
is something I really look forward to. Every time I come back to America, the first thing I do is go to a supermarket and I walk down the cereal aisle and I look, okay, what do I want to eat today? And I assume then that it is not possible to get U.S. cereal uh, where you currently reside. Yeah, you can, but it's like imported or it's really mm. expensive or it's like I'm not going to pay 20 bucks or 20 pounds for a cereal, you know, so like when they're two dollars or three dollars at home. So yeah. or like unless I'm like super craving it, but also it's like I go to the U.S. a couple times a year anyways. So while I'm here, I'll mm. just eat it, you know, so. So do you so I I don't know how like tariffs work or shit like that but couldn't you just get like an extra suitcase and just fill it up with cereal if you're I just could. coming back Yeah or yeah is it I just could. like a self protection thing that you're like no I'm just going to eat it when I'm in the US and if I'm not I'm just going to not Yeah it, it's a self protection thing but I tend to take one or two boxes back every time I go Okay that's So that it's not like sense. yeah I don't take a suitcase full because that's a little bit intense I mean, but why I do not? take Yeah <laughs> if you have But space. I also But I also, while I'm, there are good cereals in the UK, but, or in other countries as well. I mentioned the cereal in Japan that I fell in love with, but I, for my own, I, I just like when I'm living generally, I don't, I, I limit the things that I indulge with too much and that's mm. cereal for, in general. And the only thing that I have in the UK, uh, in my house that I eat regularly is just like this like super protein granola thing that i add raisins to that's mm. like that is my quote-unquote cereal so i'm not gonna make this as a top four but what's better with the cereal situation in japan or uh great britain oh great the uk is so much better oh yeah japan has one cereal that i just inexplicably fell in love with but everything else is garbage i see um the uk the uk actually has decent cereals so we did like this U.S. versus U.K. cereal competition in in my college in the U.K. Of course, and of course, and we like on this was three or four years ago actually when I was there um, a while back. But um, I went down to London and went to the American store and just bought a bunch of cereals and then came up and we did this whole thing and we had this huge like wall sized chalkboard where we wrote down all the cereals and we wrote down every participant's name and they ranked all the cereals and stuff like that. And we had this huge competition. It was great. If you dear time. listener ever wonder what it's like to be friends with Rashad, that kind of sums it up in a nutshell. <laughs> yep. Rashad going inexplicably out of his way for some food thing and just <laughs> gathering a bunch of people to rank stuff. Yes. <laughs> Okay, what's your number one? So my number one, and this is also surprise people who think cereal should be my number one, but um, it's really one and one, one A and one B. But my number one in this scenario is just deli sandwiches. Mm. The, that's another thing that just saddens me to my core that doesn't export really well. It's just like a good deli, so where you can just get like a nice sub or a roll, and just like with I don't know any kind of filling you want, make your own sandwiches like. Imagine Subway, but actually good and actually mm. fresh ingredients and delicious and actual real bread and flavors in the foods. And it's it's so sad to me that Subway is the only thing that has exported from this genre of food. But it's like the world is getting like not 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 the McDonald's of burger of, of sandwiches, but like the worst worse than the McDonald's of 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 sandwiches. It's It's very sad to me. Um, because this is another thing that is very rare outside the U.S. And it's something that even more than cereal, you can't find outside America. And there are other places that do good sandwiches for sure. You go to restaurants, there's nice sandwiches everywhere. Like putting things between bread is not 
like that novel of a concept but the idea of going to a deli and just like walking through getting any kind of feeling you want making a combo sandwich anything that anything that you want like off the top of your head it's just an amazing experience that you just don't really get in other places and it makes me really sad that like every time i see oh it's a deli and it's like oh no they actually just sell cured meats and cheese and and it's so sad uh, but uh, one day i will if i if if the thing is if i were to it, like start if i were to win the lottery or whatever i would definitely start a deli outside of america and i would just be like all right this is what sandwiches actually should taste like get in line and i don't know i don't think you need a you need to win the lottery in that you just need a bank loan because you would just get rich from that fair enough but fair enough but i guess i don't know uh, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> okay i want to tell you a sad story for a second um oh no uh so i've never had a bagel that's just sad in and of yep. itself right um but so i've never had a bagel before and a few weeks ago i realized that there's like a bagel shop uh at a place that i frequent and i was like sure i'll, I'll get a bagel and i went in there and was like it looked it looked good like you know uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll, I'll have like that specific bagel there. And they were like, yep, yeah, that's seven euros. And what? I was just, no, no, it was, sorry. It's not, not seven. It was five, but still it was five euros. And I was like, bye. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm not going to eat a bagel for five euros. What did you get? On, was it like a bagel, like sandwich or was it just a bagel? With no, no, no. It was a bagel sack when a sandwich for sure. Oh, okay. That's not but as a, that's not as annoying, but no, of yeah. course. But I'm not gonna pay five euros for that. Fuck yeah, that. yeah. Um, Unless it was like the thing is, I would have to go on your behalf and taste the bagel to start. They'd be like, "Is this worth it?" Because yeah. bagels are another thing that's it's like it, when I wrote down my initial list, bagels are on the list for sure. It just didn't crack pizza in that way, mm -hmm. and it's just bagels are a whole different ball game and it's really sad that you can't get good bagels abroad even the ones that are super expensive or specialty bagel stores nah, they just don't have that same consistency but that's another regional thing in america as well yeah. like it's, it's hard to get good bagels outside of the east coast anyways or especially new york but uh, or uh, some of my friends my montreal friends would say or montreal <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> we have a friend in common who who still thinks that her place has the best Stuff, like the best bagels in the world and i had a friend from in new york once and they i mean they didn't fight because they don't know each other but i was like they were both wouldn't move an <laughs> inch when it came to which place has the best bagels in the world i'm surprised that there's no like mexican food on your list honestly. <gasps> oh no <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay I, i'm oh my god wow Oh my god! I think because you asked me like the U.S. in my head, it went to mm. like U.S. centered stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't be like oh, all of Latin America, which has amazing food, and that's disgusting in Europe. Uh, uh yes, Mexican food, but mm, tacos, burritos, ah, uh, ah, uh, enchiladas, quesadillas. Oh my god! Like the whole. Uh, can I have another top four of just like Mexican foods or Latin American foods that I that I look forward to when coming back? to america b -b -b bonus round <laughs> okay quick super super bonus round number four uh enchiladas number three no no say number four quesadillas number three enchiladas number two burritos number one tacos boom Done. damn 
<laughs> oh, but nachos, but not. Oh, so good. <laughs> there are just so there's just too many foods to think. Like there's just so much, no. such good food in this country, and it's amazing. So I am very sad whenever I have to leave, but also very relieved because a lot of the food that I like that's here is not healthy. So yeah. <sighs> All right, hit me, hit me with you with your next one. Wow, sorry, I just had to decompress for a second. That's okay, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, so um, my number four, I think this might be too difficult for you. Uh, We'll see. Uh, So top four Pixar films. (laughs) Okay. It's going to be great because just wait for my next one. Oh, shit. Did I snipe you? No. No. Okay, good. All right. Are you you ready there? I'm ready. So I have three honorable mentions. Of course you do. Uh, Of course I do. Um, One is up. I love yes. up, especially the first sequence. Are you fucking kidding me? That yeah. alone is the saddest thing. Oh, ever. hold on and up, hold on and up. I'll get there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, and I couldn't really decide between Toy Story one and Toy Story three, so both of them didn't make the list. Yeah. Uh, just on the fly, that was difficult to decide. Yeah. Mm, so my number four is uh, Wally. Wally is so good. I it's love Wally. Wally's interesting because I like it more watching it as an adult. So I watched it, rewatched mm-hmm. it like last year or this year, and I just I fell in love with it in a completely different way, and I found it absolutely enchanting watching it as an adult. So yes, Wally's yeah. amazing for sure. Obviously, like the messaging, like the the themes of it uh, are incredible. You know, the environmental aspect, the uh, uh, let's say AI aspect. <laughs> Uh, but also the first half hour of this movie is without any words spoken and it's still so emotive and uh, you know we come we talk a a lot about star wars where they have a lot of droids droids emoting emotions i guess (laughs) uh but what they are doing with wally is also very it's like incredible so uh yeah it's great yeah wally is the uh, and also just the love story between Eve and oh, Wally so is good. so touching. The the scenes obviously on the planet Earth, but then the scene when they're in the space and he has the fire hydrant and they're just spinning and flying together. It's incredible from beginning to end. This movie is is yeah. I just and love all it so the li- all the little signs of tenderness are just ah oh, so good. Just holding hands, ah oh, so good. I so know, good. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. So my my number four is up, and nice. the only reason it's number four is because I guess the rest of the, the movie is great from beginning to end, but the beginning by itself is just I I don't I can't remember the beginning of a, a film like the first five minutes that just make you feel such a range of emotions again silently with so so talented it's it distills what makes Pixar perfection and. Is up is such a good movie and it's just highlighted by the first five minutes of it and i love it so nice and also doug is such a funny character <laughs> and even to this day whenever i see a squirrel all i think of is doug squirrel <laughs> <laughs> so good oh. okay my number three is the incredibles um yes. i love that movie it's so good it's i'm just... so sad i had to leave it off yeah i love it so much though <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's just you know superheroes and kind of james bond as well uh some of the tropes but it's just like it's so like 
playing with the meta level of all of these like genres and a great twist you know just the idea of what do superheroes do when they're not superheroes anymore but they have their powers and what does that mean for them and just the family dynamics are just yeah incredible so and it's a, it's a genuinely good action movie uh yeah. and yeah it's it's amazing what what more can i say it is obviously it has like a lot of homages and it's great just the i, I love edna Edna's the best <laughs> voiced by Brad Bird which is the funniest thing um and just that um montage of all the superheroes like what can go wrong with the costumes the one that that always uh cracks me up is the cape one no capes oh my god it's so good yeah. <laughs> whenever i see someone in a in like um in a movie or a show and they have a cape i always think of that scene and so it's 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 amazing <laughs> oh, i love it uh such a good movie i think it's 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 one of those movies where it helps to know the entire surrounding genre outside of it because just everything yeah. is a meta joke within a meta joke within a meta joke <laughs> exactly. it's probably the most creatively written pixar movie that i can oh yeah and there's a lot of creatively written ones (laughs) good choice on i think this is no wrong choices that's the thing Mm -hmm. with pixar so my uh my number three is uh, ratatouille Mm. um i really i just like uh, obviously the food aspect is partially because (laughs) of the reason why i love it but for me it's the most and this is a big statement for me it's the most rewatchable pixar movie mm-hmm. and it's one of those movies that i just go to all the time to watch over and over and over again i like i love the friendship the relationship between uh, remy and linguini <laughs> it's just so so silly it's so funny um the depictions of paris obviously make me a little nostalgic for the city and it, it's just this layers of things that I, I really love this this uh uh movie as a whole and yeah, that's it's just a great it's just a good film. That's why it's it's up there number three, and I think it as I said, my most rewatchable film. Uh, I agree with all of it, and that's why it's my number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is which is probably surprising to some because I know that not a lot of uh, people hold that in that high regard compared to other Pixar movies. Uh, but I just love it from from the first time I saw that. Just also the way. It talks about food with the the emotions and like the way they visualize taste. It's great. Um, the characters, all of the like the two worlds of Remy are are incredible. Um, what he has to kind of you know balance out and then how how it converges, and it's great. I, I love it so much. It's uh, so good. The I forget his name at the moment, uh, but the re- reviewer, the critic, yeah, his like words and just the way his demeanor, it's so incredible. And <laughs> so unfortunate. his review at the end of it, where he like remembers and likes what Remy has, oh, has cooked, so is good. it's just so memorable to me. And it's just the movie is also a reflection on the pseudo evils of humanity as well, mm-hmm. and how humanity treats nature as lesser than and it is such a different inversion of society and pictures. And if you were in a storyboard pitching a movie and you're like, all right, hold on, everyone. I'm going to make a movie about rats 
in Paris. People would just look at you, it just throw you out the window, honestly. Mm. But it is absolutely incredible. Just the feat that they did with this movie. It's I love it from top to bottom. So yeah, and yes, that, yes, and yes, that, yes. that like nostalgia scene with a critic is probably one of the most iconic shots uh, in like movie history. Yeah. And also one of the funniest moments is when the health inspector turns on the light and just sees all that or storms into the kitchen and <laughs> all reds there and everybody just freezes. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I love this movie so much. Uh, I think this movie just has something for everyone. Honestly. Yes. But, oh man. So my uh, number two now is, this is where we get really tough, honestly. <laughs> and I can't believe my, I think you'll know what my number one is, but my number two is going to be, is, ah, I can't believe I'm saying this, Monsters. Mm-hmm. My number two. I, capital L, love Boo. She is the cutest. And her relationship with Sully is, it warms my heart. And to this day, when I just close my eyes and see when, you know, when Sully is, uh, he's uh, like uh, demonstrating how to be a monster or whatever and, and scaring the children and Boo is hiding and she ends up seeing a different side of Sully and she runs off crying. That scene is etched in my memory as a heartbreaking scene. And right now talking about it, I feel it. I actually physically feel this scene still. And <laughs> They're obviously like um, Sully and Mike Wazowski are just the, a funny, funny duo. I love their I'm going to go to work and do the whole thing. And then obviously Boo throws a huge wrench into their their lives. And it's it's amazing. I, I just it's such a great movie from top to bottom again. And it's just all these movies are great. So Monsters number two. Yeah, I should. That one should, definitely should have been one of the honorable mentions. Uh, I kind of, kind of just disregarded it, like pre, uh, a little, maybe a little bit too quickly. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that movie as well. It's also very rewatchable. Yeah, and uh, sure. you know, as someone who famously doesn't like, uh, let's go with children in media, or just children. I wasn't gonna go there, but okay. Uh, I like Boo as well. So that's a big statement, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, maybe we have a, a shared number one. I don't know. I wonder. I mean, you you can probably guess which uh, what mine is, but it's Inside Out. Same. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an incredible. I mean, there are literally psychologists thanking the creative team for how they depict certain certain like cornerstones of psychology and of uh, human development, uh, and it's just. The story is great. The depiction of of emotions is amazing. Of development, the obviously the main message of the of the uh, film that you know sadness is just as valid as joy is, and it's all part of life. Uh, it's incredible, and obviously the whole thing with the core memories, which changed like when you grow up, and how different people are kind of controlled by different emotions all of this is just amazing honestly and the 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 creative obviously the most creative part is in in terms of animation is when they go through the different dimensions and it's just wow or the different parts of uh of the psyche that you know is visualized by different animation styles so so creative and i just love this movie it's 
words cannot describe how good this movie is honestly yes. like if you haven't seen this movie you have to see it if you if you have thought about seeing this movie if you're just a human in the world you should see this movie honestly it it is just incredible i, I in a list of a in a from a studio that has done so many good movies it's surprising for t- decades it's so surprising to me that one of its best movies is one of its most recent movies as well and it is an incredible film honestly but i don't know what to say other than that <laughs> it's just good people should watch it if you if you, you haven't watched it yet watch it now if you have watched it just watch it now too so there, there you go and i was laughing earlier just because the next top four i was gonna gonna throw at you is my is the top four disney movies <laughs> oh really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are we talking Disney Studio or Disney Animated Films? A... Disney Studio, I think. No, Disney, Disney, Disney Animated Films. Sorry. Okay, that makes it a lot easier because you're that Disney yeah. Studio includes it's like huge. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, the animated ones. Okay, cool. All right, give me a sec. All right, so that was a a bit of a struggle. Yeah. And <laughs> I assume you're answering this as well. Of course. Right. Okay. Perfect. So um, on this list, my number four is Wreck-It Ralph. Ah, nice. I thought, I think of course, a- as a video game lover, of course, <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> it's such a fun movie. I love the, the, the homages to all the other video games. I love how they actually created the actual video game that you can go and play physically in an arcade. It is so fun. I, and I love, um, well, Penny, Penny's her name, right? Oh, I can't remember the that's a bad sign but <laughs> um but just all the characters are amazing and ralph dealing with his sense of self being a villain and it, it's it's such a cool inversion on the hero villain trope and all these things that we see in video games so uh, it's just great so wreck it ralph number four love it yeah and an amazing performance by john c Riley, honestly yes oh, so um. good I have a few honorable mentions, as always. Oh, shit. We should always start with your honorable mentions before <laughs> I start into my actual top four. It's it's okay. Um, you know, there are, there are obviously there are like some movies that I I have a lot of nostalgia for because I watched them as a child. But now it's like they don't really hold up, or they're like definitely problematic things about a lot of Disney movies. Um, but there are a few that I have like a soft spot for. But I didn't include them in the list for different reasons. Um, I, I remember I really liked Aristocats at some point. Uh, not sure. I rewatched it like two years ago. It's like not. It, yeah, it like that's like not that. It doesn't hold up that well. Robin, I I have a great fondness for Robin Hood. Uh, I oh, don't really? even know why, but it's just I don't know. It's definitely one that when I think of childhood, that's one that I've I think I've seen a lot of a lot of times. Um Hercules is another one that I like. Um Lion King, obviously, uh and also Mulan, even though they're all like all of them have problems in them. Um but yeah, all of them didn't make it into my top four. And my number four is Zootopia. Oh, so good. I love Zootopia. I just <laughs> so, love Zootopia. Yeah, it's a recent one. Um, and I really enjoyed watching it. I didn't, because, you know, as we mentioned where in a piece that will not be included in this podcast, is uh, 
you know, there there are definitely phases within Disney where like, you know, sometimes it's, it's good, sometimes it's not so good. And I was kind of over Disney for a while. Then Zootopia came out. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, I think I just watched it because someone else watched it. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm also going to watch it with them. And then I was like pleasantly surprised at how, how much I like this one, how good it is. Obviously, like, again, the themes are amazing uh, and ende- very endearing characters. One of my top four gifts of all time. Oh, that's also a great top four. But uh, one of my most used gifts is of the sloth sl- starting to laugh. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and that's definitely in my, uh, f- it's one of my four most used gifts of all time. Uh, and, but yeah, the, the movie is great. And if somehow that got under your radar, watch it now. Yeah, Zootopia is... So the best movies that are for children speak largely to adults as well. Mm-hmm. And Zootopia does this to a T. Where if you're just a child unaware of the social dynamics behind Zootopia, you don't understand how the meat eaters or whatever are you know, akin to minorities in the United States or whatever, 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 that whole thing. And there's this layers upon layers of messaging that go into this movie that are just is so phenomenal on top of great characters great performances the animation is gorgeous the creativity within it as well in how they create this world building Mm -hmm. it's such a good such a good um, example of how to dump a lot of information as well efficiently onto an audience and it's a good great movie from top to bottom i love 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 zootopia so good choice there for and sure. a great and a great main character who is like kind of intersectionally discriminated against uh and but just an amazing character i love it so much yeah and one of those characters that you really just associate yourself with no matter yeah. who you are and the struggles that she goes with and overcomes and fails and just goes back and forth and this journey that she goes on is it's it's incredible honestly such a good movie i'm kind of sad that it's not in my top four <laughs> Um, well, you live and you learn. Yeah. So um, my number three is Coco. Oh, I haven't seen that one, actually. I don't know if you've seen Coco. So Coco no. um, is basically set within the Mexican Day of the Dead, the celebration. And oh, yeah, I did, like, I did actually watch that. Sorry. Yeah, he kind of goes into the... Um, the netherworlds, I guess, <laughs> to his family to see his ancestors and stuff like that. It's a really cool movie. I I love it mostly because of its visuals. It's mm. beautiful. The way it's shot, the colors, the the animation, obviously like the representation of having, you know, a Mexican family within a Pixar film. Oh, sorry, a Disney film is Oh, actually, is it Pixar? Might be Pixar. Oh shoot. Oh no, did I make a mistake? Did I make a mistake? No, you didn't. You, no, you no, you did. Sorry, you did. You you did. It's 2017 Coco. Yeah. Oh, no. Dum, dum, dum. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so you can include Zootopia in Zootopia! the top four. <laughs> Zootopia number three. It was always my number three. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Coco. Bye. Uh, also, yes. also a great movie. Yeah, Coco's a great movie, but it is... um not actually no sorry zootopia you're not my number three i'm not gonna cheat like that i'll cheat another way so my number three is a problematic movie in some ways but it is mulan yeah i love mulan <laughs> like right. when i was a kid i remember so i went to visit my family abroad 
when I was a kid over a summer and I had, you know, those one of those portable DVD players mm-hmm. and it's like a little flip up thing with a little mini screen. You put a DVD in and you hit play. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I had one DVD all summer and it was Mulan <laughs> and I watched that movie nonstop every single like almost every day watching this movie uh, over mm. and over again it was su- it's such a, so iconic to my childhood eddie murphy obviously as dragon is it, as mushu sorry is, is absolutely incredible i think of mulan all the time as one of like my favorite movies and especially when i think about my childhood and think about disney i think about mulan and mm. I, I just love it from top to bottom and it's such a funny film and heartbreaking as well and obviously this you know this uh story of this uh you know the woman in the man's world that kind of thing is something that is interesting when you consider the that it's time and how in some ways it was behind in some of the uh, jokes that it makes in in some of the the musical numbers as well one in mm. particular and um, in other and ways that it is kind of trailblazing so i find yeah. it really interesting yeah it's incredible how like in one hand there on the one hand there's like the super racist depiction of the huns yeah but it's like very progressive when it comes to gender yeah in a way the only thing that i always hated is that in the end she does you know there is there's never a romance and it's kind of the the um the relationship mulan has with with the general is always one of mutual respect and it has nothing to do with sexuality or love um but in the end they just kind of force it down your throat yeah and that's that's something that is annoying super annoying but it's also you know that's how things can change because i remember like that's one of my core childhood memories associated with disney is watching this movie on vhs with two friends of mine and just after it came out and we like that scene in the end when mulan asks him whether he wants to stay for for like a meal and then the grandma is like do you want to stay forever or whatever she says like we found that so hilarious as like children that we just like we rewound that like multiple times and just couldn't stop laughing yeah for some reason that got us and we just cracked up and uh i don't know that that is also why mulan is such a childhood staple for me yeah for me the the biggest or most like most memorable moment or the most moving moment of mulan is the reflection song where she's mm-hmm. looking at her reflection in the water singing about like who she wants to be and who her family expects her to be and just like that just like hit me to my core as a child mm. and it's something i still like there's very few disney songs that i will actually listen to and that's definitely one of them that i'll still listen to for sure it's incredible what a good what a good number and what a good way to get at the psychology of children as well so Ah, yeah. or just people and expectations versus desires and it's so good such a good movie i love it yeah so i had a really hard time deciding between the fir- the uh, the last two or the first two depending on how you want to watch it uh movies but i just changed it around and now my number two is emperor's new groove oh my god i forgot about emperor's new rashad groove. that's 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 what you get for like um, I, I guess you didn't prepare for I don't think it would be. I didn't prepare, but uh, I don't think it would be on my top four, anyways. But it's so okay. good. Such it is good really good. It's so underrated as well. It's so funny. Uh, it's like a very different Disney movie in this, in a sense. Yeah, it's kind of like a buddy comedy, uh, and just it's hilarious though. And how it, like the every every one of the main characters is like a butt of a joke and. At the same time, it doesn't really point fingers at 
people in like a a kind of Disney humor that kind of existed for a long time, you know. Uh, and just the like the the themes again are amazing, and you know all of the class things and like in in a in a way like gentrification uh it's very interesting and just the the core relationship uh between the two main characters is is great and with the funny i i forget his name but the uh the sidekick of the villain is just hilarious <laughs> it's so funny it's so um, i just love how he talks to squirrels yes the whole time. <laughs> again squirrels they're a thing um but yeah I, I love this movie so much i i recently watched it again and i was like oh wow i totally underestimated that one so yeah i love it i love it so good I, that's a great film um my number two is lilo and stitch nice i yeah just it's just words cannot describe <laughs> just so, i i love the message of family is you know the family you choose as well as family like the committing to those you love that are around you as well as like being yourself within society that kind of shuns you and feel, feeling you're built building yourself confidence and then there's always obviously all of these messages with problems with like the welfare system and how we treat, treat children and how we like treat those who are dealing through trauma and tragedy and then obviously of course stitch is aspect of the whole story it's it's so both characters lilo and stitch talk about a buddy comedy lilo and stitch are like a great duo and it's i love that movie so much so lilo and stitch for sure and me going to hawaii soon just like yeah Uh, i'm not jealous at all i'm not (laughs) jealous at all yeah, Lino and Stitch is actually my number one. So. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, which might come as a surprise because you know Lino is a child, but she is right. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love this movie so much. Again, you you already mentioned a few things that are amazing about this uh, about this movie. I also really like that you know, in terms of representation, there is a different uh, like again like different ethnicity a little like like a different body type as well that's not just this one beauty standard which i think is also, is also kind of underrated in a way um and also we have probably the best male character in any like disney movie yes. as of you know is he's just so he like treats the the, the women well he is like supportive he's like super supportive he respects boundaries and i'm just like yeah man you're the best and he is it's so good i love he's amazing that movie is so good yeah i love lilo and stitch and the the two the two alien scientists also like hilarious uh also playing with gender roles a bit which is amazing and um I, at, at least the way i can remember it and but yeah all of the things obviously that are most important are lilo and stitch and the themes that you already talked about so it's so good definitely definitely you know one of the best that's why, why it's my number one yeah 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 for sure and my number one which if it's not going to be lilo and stitch has to be something super spectacular <laughs> and or something that connects to me emotionally or whatever and is is a, is a pillar of my sense of self and 
this movie is so big in my life that <laughs> it like was in my friend's like wedding speech that I gave a few weeks a few months ago. Oh, it wow. is like <laughs> it, is, it is the movie for me and uh this is uh Tangled. I yes. love Tangled. It's by far my favorite Disney princess movie. It's not even close. I I just like I don't know what about it <laughs> speaks to me so much, but from <laughs> beginning to end I'm just enraptured by the movie and the different sidekicks are so funny. The obviously Rapunzel is great and Flynn is so hilarious as well and how he reveals layers of vulnerability and their oh my god, their whole thing where they're on the boat looking at the um the lanterns flying, the the music. It's just everything about it is is it's <laughs> It's not. It doesn't undercut a lot of the the, the stereotypes of um, a pr- Disney princess movie, but it does it so well, and it like, and it makes me sad that it's compared to Frozen so much because Frozen is just a much more just an inferior movie to mm-hmm. in all in every way. It has one good musical number. Frozen does, and then the rest <laughs> is just like whatever. And it's. It's just it's Tangled is such a perfect movie, and there are so few movies out there, if any movies, that I actually have the soundtracks on like playlists on Spotify. And this is one of those movies where I, I will actually listen to the music that comes up and just be like, oh my god, this movie, this music. And it's just, it's such a good, I love it. Just like fighting with a cast, little things like fighting with a cast iron pan, like in the middle of the movie. It's just like the way that she goes about her life, and it's just. I, and the horse steed as like a sidekick, it's all so funny. The relationship that he, they all have between one another and the internal tensions of the group dynamics and then how that softens over time. Such a good movie from top to bottom. So uh, I love it. So you mentioned this movie uh, when we did our top 10 movies of the 2010 episode. Uh, yeah. And now that you've mentioned it again, I will make a commitment to you personally that uh before like the next time we t- we recorded an episode together i will have watched this movie finally cool yay yay i love tangled makes me so happy nice so it's so visually beautiful i just love it i want to watch I, wanna, I need to watch it again yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice Alrighty, we're halfway through have we only done two each no yes. <laughs> we have <gasps> I was thinking that this was going to be a short episode. We'll yeah, get in and forget out it. Forget it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So my num- my next one for you is... I'm so sorry to do this. I don't know if this will actually be hard for you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but your top four Game of Thrones seasons. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it's it's easier because there's only eight to choose from and a few of them are just au- just automatically immediately eliminated. disqualified, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting how you rank them. Yeah. Oof. All right, here we are. This is probably the most impromptu thing, <laughs> the most impromptu one today. Oh man, I I just skimmed a few <laughs> a few uh, summaries. Um, this is difficult. So my number four is season two. Cool. I I was debating about that as well. Yeah, I I really I don't know it it just you know the the show is established. It's it has some interesting uh, character development. Um, really like appreciating appreciating like season one already does so much introduction, which is great. Um, but things really kick off in season two. I feel like. 
uh, where things have kind of settled a little bit and now just a lot of things going on uh, with some yeah so many so many characters uh what what to say uh obviously blackwater is is kind of you know the penultimate episode episode is always a thing and that one's definitely amazing yeah uh, season two is a is phenomenal honestly uh sorry did you want to say something no no it's good and yeah if if i had i didn't i didn't want to take like half an hour to pr- prepare reasons for why i ranked it uh so i can't really go into much more detail so i'll just hand it over to you you know what's quite annoying about this whole thing is that like some of the best moments for me are in later seasons but mm. the earlier seasons i think are better as actual seasons if that makes sense yeah um and with that said, uh, I think for me, number four is actually the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really like the first season. I think it go has to do so much and introduce so many different players and people, what's going on. Also, the iconic end of uh, episode nine is so, so memorable, obviously, and sets the tone for the entire series and obviously the penultimate episode twists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's such a good season but maybe the the beginning because it's just weighed down by so much of the the dialogue or what it needs to do and to a certain extent that should be in its favor because it has to undergo such a such a large task but it also is weighed down a little bit and it takes a few episodes to get into the season itself so it isn't really by season four sorry episode four that you're really like oh my god i'm into the show so i i get how maybe it's so i it, on the one hand, it has to overcome so much, therefore it should be praised. But then on the other hand, it takes a minute when you're watching it for the first time that to get into it. So it's actually maybe a little bit less. Upon rewatch, it's masterfully done. But going into it for the first time, I, I remember thinking, oh, maybe it takes a couple episodes. I think until the episode four, Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things, where you actually start mm-hmm. to get a sense of what the show is about. And I think that is really, that's an, that's an iconic episode to me. And but I think the, because of the first three episodes, it's a little bit lower in my books. But yeah, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's a good one. Yeah, I really debated whether it's it's going to be seasons one or two on number four, but uh, yeah, it just so didn't. And uh, my number three is season six. Wow, you really jumped there. <laughs> Why? You really jump to the end. So season one to season six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or season two to season six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has amazing things. Um, again, like as I, as I want to do with ranking um, narrative parts, it's like season six is partly like that good, obviously, because it builds on previous seasons. Um, uh, so I always kind of give it a slight demerit for that. Uh, you know, things like uh, the Hodor thing, couldn't wouldn't have such a huge weight if you if you hadn't been with this character for that many seasons right um the Jon Snow loophole with the resurrection is uh is pretty cool um we have kind of we get a lot of Greyjoy action here with uh, we get the introduction of Euron who's a terrible character like an like an absolutely bad human but a great character in that sense uh we get like yara as, as well we get liana mormont all of these people but obviously like 
probably the best thing is Arya. Uh, so cool. And just a lot of things happen. It's just sandwiched in between two not-so-good uh, seasons. Yeah, so my number three is season three, actually. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> season three is uh, such a good show. Obviously, you have the Red Wedding in there. You have so many different events that are happening. It's just it's really when it gets really into itself as a television show. Um, but you begin to get the sense of... So there's like a point in the show where they don't really know what to know with know what to do with Daenerys mm-hmm. and it's really in the middle chunk where they're just like oh oops like <laughs> and also it's obviously he doesn't know what to do with Daenerys as well so how yeah. uh, they know I really as showrunners and inferior storytellers so he meaning he being George R. R. Martin but season three is just the, the palace intrigue is like up to 10 the the war like i just it's a military show during that season mm-hmm. and this this battle after battle back and forth it's so well done and the intrigue and the the slow collapse of the the stark side of this story is you really start to see the the seams coming out coming undone slowly mm-hmm. and slowly and you can it culminates you never really believe that it's going to happen but it it culminates in the, near the end of the season, but it's I think it's just a really really good episode of uh, a really good season of television as well. So, season three. Yeah, it's my number two. <laughs> ah, yes, good choice. Uh, uh, yeah, there uh, as you said, like so, so much in this in this uh, season. I remember when when the red wedding happened, like in the build up to it, I started laughing because I was I like I could see where this was going, like not like five minutes before that but just like i don't know maybe 30 seconds before it actually happened and i was just like i was incredulous just on a meta level like the courage to do this as like from a narrative perspective uh to kill like a lot of beloved characters off um that way amazing 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 Honestly, season three of the show really set the stage for what the show was going to be for the next bit. Mm-hmm. Season one, while it did lay the groundwork and you have Ned Stark's death, spoiler alert, that he, like, yeah, okay, they killed one character off. Fine, that happens. Yeah. But then when you start to, like, kill off heroes and characters have depicted as heroes the entire past three seasons, mm-hmm. then it's a whole different ball game, honestly. And it reset expectations for the show. And at yeah. the watching it for the next five seasons, you think anyone could die at any moment. And they kind of like actually became, um, how do I say, became shy and scared in later seasons to kill off characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as part of the criticism or one of the many criticisms of the last season in particular, where just like, come on, guys. <sighs> but well, we won't talk about that last no. season. Uh, the season that must not be talked about. Exactly. But season three really is what set the expectations of, oh my God, this show is seriously good, honestly. It's like the central Game of Thrones thing, right? Whenever, you know, in in other media or in other, you know, content, you'd you'd think like, oh no, but of course the the heroes will survive, but they won't because this is Game of Thrones. And yeah, I think think the uh, comparison with Ned Stark's death in, in season one is apt because there was this meme at the time of, uh sean bean always getting killed in movies yeah uh, and he didn't even make it to the end of the first season in this show and that was oh, ha 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 isn't it funny but like in in season three you actually 
see, oh, that was kind of the seedling for for this thing. This is like what this show is about. And yeah, we get a lot of interpersonal things here. All of the intrigue, obviously. We get Jamie and Brienne. We get John and Egret. We get uh, Sansa and Tyrion. Tyrion just generally, I think, is in the mid part of this is in at his best. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. So my number two is season six, as you <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> okay. Um, such like it is the. So I talked. I said earlier about like how some seasons have great iconic moments, but maybe not as as deep uh, in terms of its its quality as a show, mm. as a whole season. But season six is where things just like come to a freaking head. Honestly, like you are, you get a lot of the hatred and the like the fighting back and forth it's like it's really when so season five i would say was when people really got came into the show en masse right it really became super popular at the top of like it owned media basically season mm-hmm. four season five season six it hit its freaking height it was like all right we're gonna lay out all the stops this is essentially where we know the books end right and no sorry the books end season five crap i don't remember uh season partly i think part of the thing i think it's season four yeah uh yeah 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 part part of the books were still in season five i think but mostly it ends after season four never mind well essentially what i'm trying to say is that the the season six is when it really like they were so aware of themselves being a big deal and they still were doing good content, essentially, mm. in season six. And the last two episodes of season six are freaking amazing, obviously. Yeah. Those are icon- the iconic moments that I'm talking about. But then you also have really exciting big things and little things. You have, you know, they just said at when Gilly goes to meet Sam and his family. Like, that's like a little moment. That I'm just like, oh, that's like a little small moment of... of, of um, game of thrones where you have this background of what's going on you finally um get to the reveal of hodor obviously in the door and you get mm. into the window of uh brand's training so it's just there's a lot of things happening there um and it's also sort of the turning point because in season five is just like the high the, the sparrows are quite annoying the the um what are they called sons of the harpy are just a little bit blah these oh, kinds God. of things these threats continue into season six but they're a little bit sidelined and then you can uh, get get the satisfaction of them all being killed off or just mm. ended so it's it, it, it's a good season of television which is highlighted by some of the most memorable moments like what everyone remembers with the bastard battle of the bastards everyone knows the winds of winter oh, so these good. episodes the opening sequence of the winds of winter are you freaking kidding me <laughs> It's so good, and then obviously, yeah, it's the the music of that episode. It it's just phenomenal. So, mm. yep, yep. Season six is my number two. I have a feeling that uh, we will have the same number one. Oh god, not again! <laughs> not again. And my number one is season four. Yep, not even close. <laughs> it's just uh, not even close. No, not at all. And uh, I mean. Oberyn Martell, are you kidding me? I don't know, right? That's my first point too. Like he is introduced, he is he brings such such a new dynamic into everything. His character is amazing. His duel with the mountain, fucking hell, is oh. so good. One of the best moments in the entire show. And speaking of one of the best moments in the entire show, Tyrion's trial, his speech 
is kind of overrated, I think, uh, un underrated. Underrated? Uh, wow. How? I yeah. mean, I, it's just me who watches YouTube clips of it over and over and over again, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I do that too. <laughs> I think that's my, the single like most rewatched uh, Game of Thrones clip on YouTube for me, honestly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, when he like when he escapes and when he kills, you know, his lover and his uh, his father amazing like so, such strong scenes they kill off joffrey in the second episode it's are you kidding insane. me like right uh, right it's... after the like the the red wedding you have this it's just yeah. it, fucking a, it's so good yeah and you have you have like you know speak of huge battles also like night's night's watch versus the wildlings is amazing uh but yeah it's it's really oberon and Tyrion and damn it's just yeah. so and like everyone it's not it's not just the two of them they are like they're kind of outliers in a positive way but just everyone is amazing yeah i even like marjorie coming into a little bit more mm -hmm. like her deception and trying to use uh, uh it's just like uh tommen and it's just like this whole thing it's absolutely incredible i love like this is this season is when like those who have read the books and those who watch the television show, just it all is coming to like a culmination. Because, like, mm -hmm. for example, when you learn about when you know when you read the books, you know about Cersei's psychology and how she, how Joffrey's death really breaks her mental state down and her love for her children is her own de only defining factor essentially. And you can't really you don't see it as much in the television show, but you see it in little bits here and there in the season, and it really mm -hmm. starts to twit the turn for her into the Mad Queen that we get. Of uh, that Cersei becomes of and lesser seasons, exactly. But the latter seasons don't really pay it off well. But you start to see this, and understanding the the background from the books really enhances the viewing experience of season four. And it's 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 the perfect example of a show working in tandem with its inspiration to create just perfection. So season four of Game of Thrones is just when it's at the top of the top, and it's great to remember Game of Thrones for these seasons and for when it was so 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 good that later seasons we will not talk about and not remember okay i i think i think this next one might be a quick one but i might be wrong about that um so <laughs> my next one is uh top four music genres oh man ah okay it's probably gonna be difficult for you to fill up a top four no, no, no. Yeah, uh, well, defining the top four like is really tough here because like no. I like so much music from so many different genres, mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be very difficult to to narrow down. Nope. Okay, so hold up. Let me let me figure this out, um, and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Oh my God, this is a tough one because like I like a lot of music that kind of goes into different genres. I guess I would say. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I more than anything just had to create my own genres or my own categorizations of music also i don't know anything about music so i don't really know how to talk about it so this will be my best guess honestly so oh man um so my number four is something that i don't listen to that much there's not many songs that i um actually like from it but there are the songs that i do like i really like and that's uh country music Mm, mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I also have an emotional attachment to as a kid. I listen to a lot of country music and there's just like, I think in the genre, I don't like the recent trends that have come about from it. 
um, the immersion of spoken word, the kind of like more, I don't know, less holistic or specific. I don't know. One of the things that's cool about country music is that no genre can be as specific as country music. Like in country music, you would talk about like the... I don't know, a specific rock on the side of a specific route on your way to the like local specific store. Like it's it's super, super uber specific and it <laughs> highlights experiences unlike other music. There's actually an interesting um I'm not a huge fan of Revisionist History, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, but mm-hmm. the one episode he does about country music, I did really like. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I don't know anything about music, but I found that episode to be really interesting. So um so I, I just really like there are some there's some country music that I just really associate myself with, especially when I was a child. So that's number nice. four. Okay, I have uh, three honorable mentions. Oh, fuck. tell me when you have honorable mentions so we can start with those before. Oh, I, I, I always have honorable mentions, man. Uh, okay. Um, one is very very broad, and that's classical music. Uh, I love. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's ridiculous. Just as a as a thing like to call that just so reductive but uh any favorite era of classical music in particular are you a baroque man uh <laughs> baroque man oh man that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic man. all right let's not open that can of worms we could yeah. in a future day yeah for sure because for some reason i didn't even consider classical music because it wouldn't it's, be it's on the list the genre or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's the only like music i like to see live as we've discussed yeah. previously yeah but um I, yeah i didn't even put it on the list because it's not a genre but go ahead. exactly yeah it's, it's just like a type of music i guess yeah. that's uh i was uh, but i just i just i just wanted to mention it kind of yeah. i also think it's like not it doesn't kind of it's not right to include it in a list with this like premise yeah, but I just wanted to mention that I just please. It's just good. <laughs> you should listen to it. It's good. Classical music. Have you heard of it? Yeah, uh, that Beethoven guy. I ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah, Bach. You know. <laughs> um, no, and uh, two other ones that are interestingly all of my uh, genres, like my honorable mentions, are are instrumental only for the most part, and then the other two are um, post rock and synth wave. I don't know cool. if you know what that is. Nope. But. The thing is, like, I don't, from a theoretical, intellectual perspective, don't agree with the concept of genres, yeah. whether that be in books or in academia or in music. Like, genres are a silly thing. So I don't. Yes. So because of that, I have no awareness of what genres are because I choose to ignore them. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's always just when I when people ask me these questions, like, what kind of music do you like, and then I look at what do I listen to? And then I look up, okay, what does, is this genre? You know, what, what does this fall under? So it's, it's just for me, like a shortcut to explain to people very quickly what I like. Yeah. But like, if someone asks you, what kind of movies do you watch? It's like anything that's good. Good movies. Yeah. (laughs) I had that discussion yesterday. Yeah, It's the same thing with music and movies. It's just like anything that's, or any content or anything that you're consuming. It is what's good. I consume What's not good. I don't, or what I don't enjoy. I don't watch or I don't Mm -hmm. deal with. Right. Same with books. Like, Oh, what do you read? I can tell you what I don't read. Or I can tell you what I don't watch. I can tell you what I don't. Well, can I tell you what I don't listen to? Maybe. Um, But yeah, it's just like, Uh, so yeah whatever so continue (laughs) um so those are my three honorable mentions and my number four is also kind of not a genre but again rushad's previous comment scores 
which ah, is ridiculous because again it's so diverse right but yeah i don't know i could go down that route yeah. spoken <laughs> word music that's my number one <laughs> uh so spoken not sung oh no uh, just words music verbal. with voice yeah. <laughs> so yeah okay uh yeah i mean there are so many good composers um yeah for sure you know i could i could name i i, I just wrote down like eight examples but why bother like honestly so many good scores that's um, a good point um yeah i don't know scores are great a question um, do you enjoy scores of movies you haven't watched I have never listened to, to a score of a movie that I haven't watched, so I cannot answer that question. Or so maybe a, that is an answer in itself. Yeah, yeah, that's an answer in and of itself. Because yeah. my question for you is that when you're listening to the score, do you, in your head, picture the movie at all? Like, is the movie connected to the score in your mind? Depends on how well I know the movie. Because, for example, like, to just name one example, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are composers or like they do some scores that I really like of movies that I really like, but I couldn't tell you exactly what happens in, in that scene. But, you know, one example, like one famous example, obviously, is like uh, Star Wars or also like Lord of the Rings probably is the most, is like the best example for that. Whenever like amazing score by Howard Shaw and with every every song i can tell you exactly what's happening on the screen so it just depends on like how how well i i know the uh what, what's on the screen yeah cool all right that sounds good um so my number three is a is a genre of my own creation and it is just what i call soft music <laughs> music that's not okay. too intense music that just like is nice and pleasant to listen to it is like it could be any it could be instrumental it could actually not be it could be just spoken it could be uh, it's just a whole different like it's music that's just chill and it's nice to listen to and i can <laughs> listen to it when i'm cooking a meal or just sitting at sitting around or just like driving and i'm in a chill mood and i don't want to be angry at the people around me in traffic um yeah and that could be also like aspects of classical music as well are into there so it's it's just like soft music that's my genre all right um my number three is jazz oh nice yeah i i really it's i can't listen to it like all the time just i i need to be in the mood for it and of course, like depending on the mood, I ha I put on different things, but I mean the classic. It it is kind of a you know, people pe some people might roll their eyes at it, but I don't know. Kind of blue by Miles Davis is just my favorite jazz album ever. I can listen to that all the time. I do listen to that regularly. It's my writing music when not when I do like like mostly when I do like creative writing, I listen to that one depending on which kind of story I'm writing about, but. It's just, and it's perfect because it's like 45 minutes, give or take. No, I think, is it 45 minutes or an hour? But it's like, basically, like, I think it's an hour and like 54 seconds or something like that. And it's like, or 45 minutes and 55 seconds. It doesn't matter. It's like a perfect time for me to have like one writing session and, and then take a break. Uh, and obviously there are many, many other good ones. Coltrane, Kamasi Washington, so many. I could like, all of the names, all of the names. It's great. Not everybody likes jazz. I love it. I've come to love it. And yeah. 
that's amazing. No, jazz is phenomenal, honestly. But so my uh, <clears throat> number two is it's, it's it's actually maybe two genres in one. Maybe I don't know if it's two genres in one because they kind of intersect in my mind. It's like hip hop, R and B. They obviously are different, um, but they're I don't know they're connected in so many ways because mm-hmm. the it's very fluid. What is what and what is what in the between the two. Um, but yeah, so that's my number two. I don't know what to say about it. I like it from mm-hmm. older stuff that I used to listen to, things from even from before I was born, um, from like the eighties, even the nineties, and then and then also more recent stuff. Less interesting than more recent stuff, but there are things that I occasionally find that I like. So I think it's like what I do is that I listen to random music, right? Either like um radio stuff like a song that I like, and then I just like listen to whatever comes up from Spotify or um, random playlists and then i just if i like a song i just like it and then i have one big playlist of all the songs that i like and i just that's it that's <laughs> that's how i do it wow i don't i don't categorize yeah. the music i like i just listen to it and i listen to that playlist and then if i don't like the song i just skip to the next one yeah i i almost never listen to playlists that either i or someone i know hasn't made i like i i don't really try i don't usually go for algorithm recommendations i go from like things that i just find out about or like people tell me yeah no i don't i don't talk to anyone about music so i just listen to (laughs) like what the algorithms tell me and i skip it if i don't like it and most of the time i don't like it so or most of the time it's okay and then every once in a while something i like i listen Mm. to it yeah a rap's also my number two so there is that um obviously kendrick lamar uh uh, kanye west anderson park david diggs rafael casal school by q uh so many people uh i could name and uh yeah or uh like uh yeah just so so many so many people that are great i uh, especially the ones you know where i mean again like the good stuff like it's just like when the lyrics are amazing it's just there's almost nothing better it is like spoken word poetry obviously so amazing yeah, what's cool about it is that it's just so creatively written and yeah. just like every word has meaning to it. And I remember when I was younger in high school, I wanted to write my um, uh, my high school thesis or whatever mm-hmm. on about like Eminem's uh, uh, In the Last Curtain, his uh, dialogue or how he integrated spoken word or mm-hmm. like quotations and dialogue into his rap and how that like enhanced the... The, the, the whole thing of it my yeah. my supervisor at the time shut that down pretty quickly <laughs> but um it just goes to show how like you can really really dig deep into the words of rap and or hip-hop mm. and r&b and it's just it's it's really incredible and there's almost no other media that's like that or no other mm-hmm. mu- genre of music that is like that or that i would say that's because it's it's about conveying an experience and it's a yeah. like at least in its origin as well as it's about conveying an experience that connects to struggle and that is just so affecting and in so many different ways even and it's again like it's it's the better version of country in the way that it's also very specific when it's really good right so i I don't know did you ever see the movie straight out of compton uh no you should really watch it obviously it's about uh yeah 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 um but it's it's just like it goes to show how very very specific uh, like experiences in, uh, inform these decisions and or the decisions that go into the raps and it's 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 so it's it's such an incredible medium and in the way that mm. it is it, anyone can do it 
right? If you do it well and if you work hard at it and it it's just incredible. So yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just mentioning two more people like that I can't believe I couldn't think of like Charles Gambino and uh, Tyler, the creator, also really good. And I think, yeah, especially what I like about rap is kind of the, the obviously the narrative and like the narrative style of like the spoken word, but also that it is kind of, it sums the best music of that kind just picks from all different kinds of musics and from, from all different kinds of music the way that no other genre does and that's yeah. what i just super appreciate i mean i'd, I'd argue that it's the most creative genre especially oh yeah what it sure. samples from as well so yeah so yeah so well done that's a good uh good choice and um i think yeah if you ask me to stick to specific actual genres i probably would have it my number one but yeah. in terms of genres that I want, if I'm allowed to create my own genres as well, um, my number one is going to be what I call jazzy, bluesy, swayy inspired music. <laughs> I care to elaborate? Um, I, I don't know how to elaborate on that, honestly. it's I like elements of like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jazziness or bluesiness that in like that is into that like is integrated into different kinds of genres and how mm. that like you can just like how you can like bump like bop to something a little bit just like oh that's cool like it's a nice beat it's like something fun it's um but it i mean that it could be in so many different things right mm. um so like uh so for example so like leon lahavas has some of her stuff in that division obviously dangerous city has that as well um even like some japanese music emi okamoto does things like that too so there's just like really cool different things that different genres and different languages and different cultures as well that inspire from these really creative um genres to create their own music so that's the nice. thing that i definitely enjoy cool yeah it's, it's very interesting because like my numbers one and two like my number one is the my first love that I that I still listen to to this day, and like with my number two was just something that I have learned to appreciate in the last I don't know five to seven years. Um, but you know, I just have such a legacy with indie rock that I just have to put it on my number one. Fair enough. Uh, obviously, like Arctic Monkeys and Maximo Park are probably my favorite bands in that genre. Uh, Long Winters are also great. Uh, Courtney Barnett, Courtney Barnett, is amazing. Just I could name so many, so so many. Um, and yeah, when it's done well, it's really done well. And especially lyrically, you know, Arctic Monkeys and Maximo Park are like I mean, all of them are like obviously when it's really good, it's really good. You know what else is there to say? Um, and yeah, it's 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 just I don't know. There's just something about it that really that I really like. Yeah. Maybe it it is kind of the uh, in in comparison to rabbits more like it is a little bit simpler in ter- like musically. It's still you know can be very like um I don't know expressive and everything, but it is like not as produced maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think like why do I actually like this? But I think it's mostly I don't know, man. Like a rock band is, is still pretty cool to me. And if the if the lyrics are great and it works together in amazing ways, then what's not to love? 
that's amazing honestly um i think i just have no idea how to talk about music because yeah just, like, same <laughs> I, yeah. i'm just like using all of these like positive adjectives but it's, like, i have no idea how to go into the nitty-gritty of it you know yeah. i would have to give examples but then we'd be here for another six hours yeah i don't know not even for me examples are also really tough i'm just like yeah good music is good bad music is bad <laughs> exactly all right uh so we're we're coming to the to the final lap yay finally uh, and i think my last one should be quite easy I okay think. Uh, maybe we'll see um so i'm going to ask you to rank your top four pokemon <laughs> nice okay all right so wow this is a, probably a tough one huh so many pokemon to choose from i know i i had to limit it to the first generation just to because it's gonna be either that or i'll be here for another half an hour <laughs> so uh just just and just to you know that that as a first thing so all right what's your number four My, uh, first i have a few honorable mentions i'm gonna make this quick uh so many so many nice pokemon out there uh, like all the starters of the second generation are great for example but also first generation charizard and psyduck are amazing i mean psyduck because of the tv show obviously um <laughs> charizard also because of the of the uh the tv show but also because it's an amazing pokemon but it just didn't make it and my number four is also mostly because of the uh, tv show and because it's hella cute it's squirtle oh squirtle's cute no, yeah. and I love the story. Great. I love the story in the TV show with the Squirtle gang and everything. It's hilarious, and it's just uber cute. Definitely the cutest in the of the original starter Pokemon. No, oh, that's adorable. Um, yeah, my number four is I guess from the first Pokemon movie, um, and my number four is Mew. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Also, I, like in the game, Mew is actually really fun because it can learn mm, any attack, and it's yeah. like super balanced. And it's just like Mew is great, and always like the the allure of trying to get Mew somehow <laughs> was always like fun. Going to events, trying to get a Mew, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Like finding cheats to get a Mew in the older games when they had like glitches and stuff. So it's a fun uh, Mew is just uh, is a great, cute, nice uh, Pokemon. All right, my number three. I don't know. I've. I don't think I've ever had this Pokemon, in in any of the games. But I just. I. I've always loved it, and it's Arcanine. Arcanine so strong. Oh, so intense. <laughs> yeah, I just love the look, and it, it. It always seemed like a very like furious Pokemon. So I was like, oh man, and I'm, I would just like imagine riding an Arcanine that like in, into battle, basically. <laughs> so cool. That's amazing. Arcanine is awesome. Good choice. Um, my number, my number two, and my number three are really hard to choose between, honestly. But I'm gonna say my number three is Bulbasaur. Mm, yeah, I love Bul Bulbasaur. Is so awesome. Like I like him in the anime as well. He's so like strong-willed, caring for people. I love like the the story that he has where he's taking care of all the Pokemon, and it's really cute. And then obviously, I always chose. Bulbasaur as my starter in the Gen mm. 1 games. So Bulbasaur 100%. I can honestly say that Bulbasaur was my first Pokemon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, my first one was Chikorita because I played gold first. Ah, yeah. Fair enough. So. Um, wow. Yeah, my number two is Alkazam. Uh, you pick a nice, strong Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it was I. It was like mo mostly like f like base poke, like first or third evolution type Pokemon. Uh, 
not the not the mid tier, so to speak. And I don't know. I just Alakazam was always super interesting to me. Like just like its powers, obviously, are are like amazing. Uh, I think that was one of the ones that you couldn't get except if you traded. Yeah. Um, and I never traded because so so I never had it actually. But it was, it's, uh, yeah. I don't so know. So that's two Pokemon you've never had. Yeah, maybe I'm just like going through some childhood stuff here. Yeah, that's great. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, don't yeah, worry. I if don't you know. get the new Pokemon, I'll trade you an Alakazam. You can have. Oh, one. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. You said first or third evolutions. That's actually mostly true for me. But I think that mm. I really I like Haunter more than I like Gengar or Ghastly. I don't know what about Haunter that mm. I really like. Maybe it's the little clip in the opening sequence of Pokemon <laughs> that you see a Haunter. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah, so for sure, I think it's Haunter. Haunter is my favorite of those three, but generally you're right. I think the third yeah. third evolutions or the baby-ish or the, the beginning evolutions are the best. I guess techni- technically Pikachu is a middle evolution. So that yeah. could be like for a lot of people. I'm not a huge fan of Pikachu, but a lot of yeah. other people who like Pikachu, they like middle evolutions, I guess. Mm. yeah it's interesting like uh that haunter thing like that's one of the few lines if you will that is just like has three bangers in it i think i really like all three of them they're all good haunter is my favorite but they're all great yeah so um my number two you mentioned it is uh, chikorita (laughs) nice (laughs) you can tell pokemon huh yeah you can tell what pokemon i start with generally speaking Mm -hmm. except for i'm not a huge fan of um the the third generation, uh, Tort- yeah. Tortric, um, Trico. Not a huge fan mm-hmm. of Trico, but uh, but Chikorita and Bulbasaur for sure. So Chikorita is my number two. I literally am looking at a little Chikorita doll that's on my desk right now. So nice Chikorita for sure. Uh, my number one is Gyarados. It's because I started playing with uh, the Gold Edition. That was the whole catching the or defeating the get, uh, Red Gyarados. And that was I, I, that's one of the most memorable moments of playing the game for me. And uh, I don't know, I just love the I love the whole meme nature of Gyarados. Uh, one of the things that I want to get to hang on the wall there is this amazing uh, poster of like the Hokusai wave, but with two Gyaradoses, and it's amazing. That's and so I want to cool. get that to get a poster onto the wall and frame it and. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I don't know, it's just a very versatile one as well. And I just love the look of it. It's just um, huge. Uh, I don't know. It's so iconic for me. It is one of the most iconic Pokemon out there. It's also super, super strong. So yeah. <laughs> you're, picking, you're picking really strong Pokemon. I think, so like um, the base stats for Gyarados and Arcanine are two of the highest of all Pokemon. So mm. if you consider like the top 100 Pokemon in terms of base stats, um, Arcanine and Gyarados are t- are two of the top ones that are non-legendary Pokemon. So obviously the legendaries yeah. are like at the top. I think Arceus is number one, and then you have um, the uh, I forget what's after him, but like there's quite a few uh, legendaries up there. But legendary status or almost legendary status, both Arcanine and Gyarados are up there at the top. Mm. So, and obviously Alakazam is really strong, has a very strong special attack, but is quite weak defensively. So that kind of lowers the overall base that's quite low but also a very strong pokemon so good choice if you so your pokemon um if we like battles with your pokemon choices and my pokemon choices you would definitely win 
<laughs> no, no. <laughs> After all your insight, I just I just incidentally choose strong Pokemon, I guess, and you've figured everything out. So, <laughs> well, I mean, like, if oh, you mean the ones that you've chosen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, obviously, so we... if, if I choose or you choose, like, I would probably win. But yes. like, if we if we're just choosing the four, our top, my top four versus your top four, you would definitely win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we, <laughs> if we like, like, like six versus six, you'd probably only have to use two Pokemon <laughs> to beat me. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, man. it's discussions like this uh, that make me very pumped for Serially Hooked Season 2. Just oh my God. Oh, really? I have no idea. But um, so with that said, my number one is, I think, Again, the Pokemon that embodies me the most and is so central to my identity and my sense of self and is my has been my phone background since I got my uh. first smartphone in 2007. <laughs> and I have yet to change my phone background and it is the Pokemon Umbreon. Yes, of course. So good. I love Umbreon. Too. Like, I remember also... So. I don't know if you know this. This is something called shiny Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm, so yeah. there are like there are alternative colors of Pokemon that are super super rare to get. And I remember breeding and breeding and breeding Pokemon to get a shiny for like hours and hours and hours and hours. And I will do it again, hours and hours and hours, all to get a shiny Umbreon. So it's all worth it. Umbreon is amazing. Yes, please. <laughs> nice. All right, we're almost done. But there's one last top four, and it's mine, and it is your favorite top four favorite YouTube channels or series. Oh, shit. You're really chicken picking stuff that I don't really know much about. All right. I will try my best. <laughs> I thought you like I thought you had the something that you said a while ago made me think that you just like subscribe to a bunch and then like I thought that'd be really easy. You just go through the, through a list and Nope. That's it. Oopsie. I have like no subscriptions on YouTube. So we I, will... I wanted to make this really easy on you with that one in a way. <laughs> and now <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Yep. All right. I'll do my best. Oopsie. Okay, so oy. I'm here. We're here. We're doing this. And My plan I really, backfired. So yes, say. so badly. I'm going to let you do your like million honorable mentions, and then I'll get into my whole spiel, okay? Okay, I have, I have uh, three categories of honorable... Four categories of honorable mentions. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so basically, one is like cooking-related uh, to uh, channels that I like. One is Binging with Babish, uh, where they like cook... Uh, like. Uh, food from tv show or like different media i don't and like binging with babish every recipe that i've used of his it's just not even binging but basics with babish both of them i don't think yeah. he's a good cook i don't think he's a good chef sorry <laughs> no no I, for me it's not about the cooking i've never tried a recipe of his it's just i liked the idea initially now i've like mostly stopped watching it because it's one of these things that it's fun to to like watch it but after like 20 videos it's like oh okay whatever um but i, I, I 20 wow okay i don't know man uh and uh i don't know i just i just really like the idea of it um and i i think it's cool that he kind of got to build a career out of it i think that's like props uh also pick up limes is pretty good that that's something where i have tried a lot of recipes from and it's pretty good it's like basically like a vegan cooking thing and it's also a lot of the things are like um concerning budget like so people who don't have that much money can still like uh you know ve- like cook vegan or like cook healthy recipes and stuff 
uh, which I think is pretty cool. Um, then there's one I would say is like a knowledge category where like things like uh, in a nutshell, kurz gesagt, um, or uh, like athletic interest is there, Wendover Productions, which is super interesting, like a thing about log- logistics, basically. Which, oh, I watched Wendover Productions yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I used to watch them like way back in the day and then it wasn't that interesting, but they really went through a change and really stepped up the game and are like recently I rediscovered them. I found my fourth one, by the way. I'm so excited. (laughs) I will hear about this later, probably. Um, And then there's like comedy, obviously Team Four Star that you you recommended to me that did like DBZ Abridged is hilarious and also Simone Geertz who does the um, Shitty Robots series, which is pretty funny. Um, and lastly, there's just like a broad c- category of pop culture, the like OG video essay person, uh, Every Frame a Painting, that is now defunct, also defunct Captain Kristen, who used to do like just visually really gorgeous uh, video essays. Lindsay Ellis is pretty good. And also Lessons from the Screenplay. And now we get to, to your to, your number four. Wow, I've heard of a lot of those actually that you you notice that you yeah. noted, but I really struggled to come up with a top four for this because I just don't consume things in, um, in terms of channels or series mostly yeah. on YouTube. Uh, but my number four is a cooking uh, channel that Logan re- recommended to me that I watch religiously whenever I want Mexican food and Mexican recipes, and it's Jauja Mexicana, and it's uh, basically an older Mexican woman who is named Janet who cooks delicious food and gives you great tips and I cook her food as much as I can so normally when I'm cooking recipes I just find six or seven different recipes and I'm like no that's stupid that's bad this is good and I collate different things to make my own but with her is one of the few people in the world that I trust so oh nice Mm -hmm. wow that that really is an endorsement nice um my number four is uh not surprisingly something Age of Empires related uh, <laughs> T90 official, uh, who is uh, you know one of like my favorite uh, AOE casters, and uh, yeah, his YouTube channel uh, is amazing. Has like thousands of commentated uh, games, and whenever whenever I'm in the mood for AOE, which happens like a few times a year, I just watch like 20 of his videos, and then I'm saturated for a little while. Um, so my number three is a guy named Jay Foreman. Um, he does two things in particular. Most recently, a show called Map Men, which is a really funny show where they basically make fun of different maps and like um, point out oddities about crazy maps in, in, wow. in the world. It's really funny. And there's two guys, and it's really well creatively written. I've rewatched those episodes multiple, multiple times. Um, nice. They only come up with like uh, an episode every two, three months. <laughs> um, so it's very rare you get an episode, but it's fun. And then before that, he did, and the way, the way I got into him is uh, he did a series called Unfinished London, where he um, kind of went around London talking about some of the oddities and what weird, weird things about London. This is not something that he did by himself. And I like things weird things on the tube, the things about the bike lanes, like the airports, stuff like that. And <laughs> nice. it's it's a really cool show and or really he's really creative and the way that he writes. So I really yeah, Jay Foreman. Um I really recommend him and Mapman in particular. Nice. 
Uh, my number three is the, the series Hot Ones, which is an interview show with like like all kinds of celebrities. Um, but the kind of the twist is that they eat 10 uh, chicken wings, I think it is, uh, with increasingly uh, spicy hot sauces. And they just get obviously like uh, very interesting reactions to that. Um, and people really go through hell on that on that uh, show. It's hilarious to watch, but also um, it's not just that they actually do a lot of great research. And I would say, like in half of the interviews, the guests are like flabbergasted how they, you know, got to know certain things, like things that usually people don't know, just because they did such in-depth research. And uh, so it's not just the gimmicky nature of it, but also re- just really well done interviews. Yeah, I've seen like the, I don't know what you call them, little images of them, thumbnails, like on my YouTube thing. And I'm just like, I can't, it just does not look interesting to me. So I've never actually watched one of them. Maybe I will actually go into it and watch one. Yeah, it's one of these things, like I don't watch like all of them, obviously. Like it's just like, if the guest is interesting to me, I'll watch it. But there are so many that I haven't watched just because I don't know them or I just don't care. Fair enough. So what am I at two? Um, yep. Yes. Okay. So we're two hours in almost. So I'm just a little <laughs> bit like whoa. Um, <laughs> my number two is um, a show called Extra History. Um, it's uh, produced by a channel, I guess, called Extra Credits, where they um, mm. review the what makes certain video games and themes in video games. And this is their history version of it, where they do they select the theme of um, in hit within history say justinian and they do like a series of five episodes about him or that theme and then they it's really creatively written and animated and it's really funny um at a certain point they changed the voice actor and it made me it kind of like threw me off entirely to the point where i just stopped watching the show but it was for a couple of years there the only show on youtube or one of two shows the other one was coming that was my number one um, that I followed religiously and like almost considered uh, actually giving money to their Patreon or whatever nice. and like voting for the the topics in the future to do. Actually, I did get a friend of mine to vote on my behalf <laughs> for a topic that they didn't actually do. But so it's actually like w- in a world where I actually was interested in YouTube channels more. Um, this is definitely one that would have been an entryway for me. And I th- I'm very sad that they actually changed the actor. And I've tried actually multiple times trying to go back and rewatch it with the new voice. But in my head, it's all one voice. And it's so hard to divorce that from something. So I'd recommend going back to watch some of the older ones. Um, and they, they do some interesting topics for sure. And the way that they talk about it. And the anime, it's just really funny, the animation. So, yeah. I got it. This is like a deep cut. But is that how you learned about Justinian's Viking Guard? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> this is one example. Uh, okay. I don't think they even talk about his Viking guard. That's just, isn't that just well known? It's like the Swiss guard for the, the Pope, yeah. right? Like it's <laughs> yeah. Like... I mean, I consider that uh, like well known, but I think we're also like, you know, we're a special kind of person to know these things in a way. Like we're just nerdy about these things. Um, My number two is a... uh. Sorry, can you hear the thing in the background? Yes, quite clearly. Yeah, I think one of my flatmates had her last last day at work, and I think maybe now some people surprised her. That's fine. It's a little background noise. Who cares? <sighs> Dear listener, it's okay. Suck it up. 
Uh, no, I care because it's very. I can hear it very loudly. But it's um, not that loud on this end. It's not that loud. Okay, that's FYI. good. Um, so my number two is a channel called Film Joy, uh, that uh, Mikey Newman is. Uh, you know the person behind that. He did the movies with Mikey series. I guess particularly is great. Just like love letters to cinema, to certain movies. And whereas, for example, uh, Lessons from the Screenplay is very technical about like narrative and storytelling and you know writing screenplays this one is more about the thematic aspects of movies and he just has a very quirky sense of humor let's put it that way and the way to present it and like it's probably pretty polarizing like either people like it or they don't and i just love it and like he we share a lot of uh taste like he like one of his favorite directors as as is the case for me is edgar wright so he has done amazing, amazing videos on all of his movies and many, many other great movies as well that definitely elevated my appreciation for them. Cool. That's really interesting. And it's nice to like, whenever you get an interesting take on YouTube or whatever about some movies, it really enhances like your own experience with the films. And also it, it you start to see things in a different way. It's, it's just an education in some ways, right? Nice. So. When it's done well. So. Yeah, for sure. And my number one is no surprise. I made you do an episode about this and watch this entirety <laughs> uh, in its entirety. And it is, of course, easy abridged. Of course. Need I say more? <laughs> Just go listen to our episode about it. It's amazing. So, Seriously. So good. Uh, my number one is the person who and the kind of the person who introduced me not just to like the like medium of YouTube in a way, but also to the medium of podcasts. And it is a, a channel called CGP Gray. I figured. Who also, yeah, <laughs> uh, who also does like a lot of like educational stuff. Uh, definitely went to went through some shifts throughout like his career on YouTube, but I still like his stuff a lot. And uh, you know, a lot of them are just really well explained. Sometimes they're like there's a bit of humor in it. Sometimes not, but mostly you know it's just really interesting stuff and like kind of a range of topics uh and yeah it's it's that's one of these things like that i i that's still one of the the ones that i do i think i watch like 90 percent of his of his videos not all of them but most of them anyway and it was surprising that i ranked him like on my number one i didn't think like going into it i was like yeah i'm gonna definitely like including him into my uh, top four just out of legacy reasons but then as i ranked it i was like yeah I, th- I guess i still really like him so there's that i thought it was defunct uh no one of his like the the his first podcast the one that was my first podcast to listen to is defunct got it his channel is still up and running cool cool cool, cool. so wow we've made it through <laughs> uh to, like two plus hours recording time and eight top fours that'll teach us that's not just a quick thing because of course we're going to talk about it and explain things and um but that that was that was a lot of fun i mean uh, it was super long but still worth it and have i had so much fun doing it i'm just a little hungry now yeah <laughs> same so uh thanks everyone for joining appreciate it and chris if someone wants to support the show they liked what they heard what should they do to help us definitely rate us and give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts be that spotify or apple Podcasts or whatever and if they want to get in contact they should 
go to our website, seriallyhooked.com, where a huge listener can find various ways of getting in touch with us, either through the form on our website or email or Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.